Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, as we work our way through the Beatitudes that Jesus taught in His Sermon on the Mount, we're going to break from our recent pattern and deal with three entire verses instead of the one-at-a-time method we've employed for the last seven weeks. We'll take a close look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Part of the reason we're doing that is that these verses are related in that they address the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. Yes, there are tremendous blessings of being in Christ when we put our faith in Him and turn away from lives enslaved to sin to new lives of obedience to God. But when you set yourself apart from the world's pursuits and the world sees that, they don't like it. In fact, they hate it. So as Jesus proclaimed the blessings of turning from the world's ways and belonging to and following him, he was straightforward about the costs. But even the price to be paid comes with its own additional blessings. What you will know for certain as you join us each day this week is this. Though the cost is very high, the blessings are more than worth the price. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Price of Faithfulness. Who sinned that this man was born blind? That was the only possibility they had ever been taught. He was born blind, that's because somebody sinned. Was it him or was it his parents, and they actually had a, a corner of their theology in which a, a child could be punished for the sins of the parents, which is completely anti-Scripture. But Jesus is saying, no, this man was born blind for the glory of God. So Jesus is talking about something that is very different than what the, what the Pharisees taught. And as I said when we finish today, we're going to be just a few verses away from Jesus taking a point-blank shot at the Pharisees and their false system of self-righteousness. Jesus has a completely different perspective. He pronounces God's blessing on those who are persecuted. But there is one important qualification. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Now, don't slip by that phrase and go away thinking that God is duty-bound to give you some kind of goodies every time you are persecuted. If you are simply obnoxious and you get persecuted because of that, you are enduring a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. But that's not persecution for the sake of righteousness. If you act like a fanatic without any decent judgment, same thing is true. If you do something wrong and it leads to negative consequences, God is at work in that because that's part of how He chastens you, because He loves you as His child. If you're being difficult, if you're complaining, if you're making yourself a nuisance somehow, if you're being a fool, if you are insulting people, um, you don't qualify for this blessing. Blessed are those who are 
pursued in a hostile way for the sake of righteousness. You know, the Apostle Peter spent plenty of time stepping in messes of his own creation when he would shoot off his mouth and then cause a a problem. He acted out some rather brash impulses, but he went on later to write this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. You might think of this as an elaboration upon this final beatitude. Peter says, for this finds favor. This is a blessing. This finds favor if, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Now, Jesus was saying this because he was about to tell them, by the way, this is going to happen to you because of your connection with me. But you know, there were a lot of reasons why the early Christians were um, persecuted. Um, There was the false accusation of cannibalism. Somebody heard that um, they eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus. Well, obviously, they're, they're... They're cannibals, and that was actually said of them. By the way, I haven't heard that one said since, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago in Russia. That is what many of the, um, of the Russians say about, they call them the Protestants over there, the, the, the Bible-believing people. They accuse them of eating their own children. Um, that's one of the things that they say. Now, what's the evidence for that? Well, absolutely none. Never happened anywhere. But you still get persecuted if somebody makes it up and says it's true of you. There's also the, the cumulative effect of the gospel, um, turning people away from immoral practices. You know, it was a, it was a big deal when, when the Apostle Paul planted that church in Ephesus and he stayed there for three years. Big city, thriving place, lots of people. The gospel spread rather, rather effectively there and um, business dropped off in the temple of Diana where there were hundreds of temple prostitutes and customers were being lost. There was also the issue of the silversmiths who lost business because people didn't want as many idols as they had formerly wanted. They were also persecuted sometimes because just like Jesus said, families could be torn apart. When some would come to Christ, others would turn against them. Remember, he, uh, uh, we talked about it under blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus also said, uh, I didn't come always to bring peace. I sometimes bring a sword, meaning family members can turn against each other. There was also the, the political reaction to it based upon the, the, the jealousy and the paranoia of some of the political leaders. It started with uh, King Herod himself. He had subtly given himself the, or humbly given himself the title, the king of the Jews. So when those wise men showed up from Persia and said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Herod wasn't too happy, so, well, let's just slaughter all the babies in the area where they say he might be, he might be born. They accused Jesus of being an insurrectionist against Rome. They, achu- they accused Paul of the, of the same thing. And then there was that sticky little issue of the Christians who most of the time were just model citizens. 
but they were hung up about burning a pinch of incense and saying, Caesar is Lord. They would only say, Jesus is Lord. So there's persecution in principle. God promises a blessing. As a matter of fact, that blessing is belonging to the kingdom of the Son of God. That's persecution in principle that is blessed by God in every situation. Now let's look at persecution in person. Lest we think that this kind of persecution, when he says, blessed are those who have been persecuted, looking back to the prophets and the ones before, lest we think this is something that only super saints of history had to deal with, Jesus gets really personal. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. If it sounded like I emphasized the word you, it's because you is the key word in that verse. Jesus switched from the third person, those who have been persecuted, to the very personal pronoun, you. If you follow Jesus, this will happen to you. They will do this to you. He says, they will do this to you because of me. The better representative you are for Jesus Christ, the bigger and brighter the bullseye on your back to be aimed at by all who hate Christ. This is a promise of God. It's not here to produce spiritual paranoia. It's reality. Again, you might get the idea that the Apostle Paul read and loved the Sermon on the Mount. He put it this way, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That verse has no loopholes. Now, how might it happen to you? Well, look back at the verse for some hints. Blessed are you when people, here's the first one, insult you. There's no end to the creativity that godless people use to come up with fresh ways to insult children of God. You might be called a nerd. That's one of the nicer ones. Uh, you might be called a, a prude for not enjoying foul humor and filthy entertainment. Taunting can be tailored to whatever hurts you the most. Name-calling is never going to go out of style. They can think of all kinds of awful things to call you. So blessed are you when people insult you. Second way they might do it. He says, persecute you. Now, that's pretty general. That's just that word, uh, dioko, pursue. There are believers in the world these days, right now, going on today, losing possessions for their faith. There are those today, maybe not in southern Idaho, but around the world who, whose lives are in jeopardy if they attend a worship service at all similar to this. Do you know that the, the previous worst century for persecuting Christians was the 20th century? Not the first, the 20th century. And 
Now we're just not quite 20 years. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.